you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. Good morning to you, and my name is Gary Wright, and I'm here as a guest, but feel very much a part of Living Streams. I am uh, the president of World Renewal, which is a mission organization that partners with Living Streams to carry out the vision that Living Streams and Pastor Greg and you as a congregation have for ministering globally. And for those of you who are here, I hope you have uh, a little pamphlet that we prepared just to say thank you to Living Streams for that partnership that we have. And uh, Pastor Greg is a board member of World Renewal. And we're so grateful that we can join with you to carry out your concern for the rest of the world. During the COVID virus uh, epidemic, we have specifically uh, turned to trying to reach those around the world who are at risk, especially in the area of hunger. And one of the one of the ministries that you support is called Entrusting Others with uh, Missionary Dan. And we have joined with two other mission organizations specifically uh, to support Entrusting Others in Western and Northern Africa, where people are literally starving. And those two organizations along with World Renewal and Missionary Dan have raised over $70,000 which you are a part of to feed over 500 families for the last two months over 500 families for the last two months and these are folks where the children would have possibly starved to death would have certainly been hungry. And then World Renewal by itself is nearing $20,000 that you and others have given for food baskets in Brazil, in Haiti, in India, and in Pakistan. And God has actually called on us to be the hands and the feet And so you will see uh, our staff in all these different countries, which we have some kind of staff presence in over 30 countries, and you will see them with their mask handing out uh, food to homeless people and to those who are at risk. And we thank you, uh, those of you who are sitting here today, are part of Living Streams and also those of you who are watching online. Thank you for your generosity 
and thank you for caring about our folks around the world. And while we have our struggles here in America, most of the countries that we're working in, there is no safety net except the church. They don't have stimulus checks. They don't have uh, governments who are able to be any kind of security safety net. And it's a great opportunity for the church to be the church. And we're trying to do that. And you are so significant in helping us do that. So I'm here saying thank you. And if you get to attend here next week, uh, be sure and pick up one of these pamphlets that uh, have a picture of uh, food being handed out and gives you uh, some of the statistics that I just shared with you. I'm here today as a dad, as a grandpa, who knows what it's like to have family members that I, I would love to see come to Christ and to walk with Jesus. And maybe they're not. Maybe we have moments even where in conversations they say things to us that really hurt. You've heard the expression, hurt people, hurt people? Well, it's true. <laughs> when we've been hurt, uh, even if we are healthy, when we've been hurt, it's so easy to say or do the wrong thing when we're dealing with pain and hurt. And often when we have someone that we want to see come to Christ, uh, it's very difficult to know how to talk to them. Sometimes it's difficult to know how to even listen to them. Um, and we often walk away from those conversations or those situations wondering, how did I mess that up so bad? And we often feel like, wow, I really did a poor job. Or you walk away and go, what is the matter with them? Why don't they see what needs to be done? Why have they picked so poorly? And if you're a parent or grandparent, you may feel like, wow, I didn't do my job. And you feel fault or you feel shame or, or you feel blame. Uh, and there are moments when these people that we really love seem to do evil things. And we as parents, we as family, often feel like somehow this is my fault. And we have moments where they may say the most hurtful things to us that anybody has ever said. And you walk away going, am I a loser or what? What's wrong with me? If you have someone in your life who you so much want to see walk with the Lord and 
maybe you've had some of those thoughts, those words, those conversations. I hope that you will listen today. And those of you watching uh, online, I hope you won't turn it off. Because we will all experience those in our life who we really love, who seem far from the Lord. Who maybe, as my wife uses expression in our family, we all have times when we pick poorly. And if you're a parent or grandparent, and you have a child or a grandchild that picks poorly, and they're experiencing the consequences of that, often we experience the consequences as a family. I have a verse of scripture that comes from one of the wisdom books. I don't know about you, but I'm always begging God for wisdom. And we have wisdom books in the Bible. And one of those books is the book of Proverbs. And today I have for you from Proverbs 6, verse 26, just the second half. And it seems like a strange text uh, a, saint, a strange passage of scripture for us today. It simply says, and the adulteress will hunt, meaning prey upon the precious life. Uh, could we take a moment and ask God to speak to us today? Would you do that for me? Uh, you know, I haven't preached to a live audience since March the 8th. I had some thoughts today. Can I still do it? I've never gone this long in my entire adult life without preaching to a live audience. So uh, I don't know if you're glad you're here today, but I'm thrilled to, to be with you because I love sharing about Jesus. But I need him to speak to our hearts. If I just speak to you, it won't be enough for you and for those of you watching Would you just ask the Lord to speak to you, those here sitting in the sanctuary and those of you at home? Take a moment and say, God, Gary doesn't want to waste our time. I need you to speak to me. Jesus, I'm not skilled enough, even after all these years, to speak the words of truth by myself. I can't do it. But I have confidence in you. That you are faithful. You are so good as was well sung this morning. Speak to our hearts. Take my words and make them your words or give me your words to speak. Lord, we have loved ones. We ourselves have picked poorly at times and we need your wisdom (laughs) and you give it to us in your word amen thank you for your prayers I needed that the adulteress hunts for the precious life what's that mean I want to ask you a question when you go through chapter 6 of Proverbs to see what this verse means and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life what do you think that's probably about 
When you read chapter 6, it's obviously a warning against promiscuous uh, living. That's not so much what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about a bigger picture. You see, throughout Scripture, that title, adulteress, is often talking about a single personality that exists in both the Old Testament and New Testament and is given that title, the adulteress. Now, when I say a single personality that exists in both the Old Testament and New Testament, that pretty well eliminates uh, almost all people, right? So who, let me ask you this question, those of you who are here in the sanctuary, who in the Bible, in both the Old and New Testament, what single personality is often given the title of the adulteress. Do you know who that is? A single personality, single personality. Who would that be? Talk to me. Any thoughts? There you go, the devil. Satan himself, the evil one. Whoever said that, raise your hand so I know who, who's the smart one. Who said that? It is the devil. He's the only one that exists. It's a single personality in both the Old Testament and New Testament. And he is the given the title often as the adulteress. Both Old Testament and New Testament. Now, why would he get that title? What do you know about his genesis? What do you know about his beginning? How did he start out? Anybody? He started out as an angel in heaven. And an angel with a commanding authority. And some scholars believe he was responsible for the music of heaven. And I don't know that. But this we do know. The Bible teaches that he had a desire that got him kicked out of heaven. What, what was it that he did that got him kicked out of heaven and removed? What was it? What did he desire? To be above God. He, he desired to take over, to be God. That's right. Uh, he, he desired to be God. Now, I don't know about you, but do you desire to be God-like or godly? Most of us here today do. But he often starts, the enemy, Satan, often starts with something that is good. But when he gets done with it, it's not good. It's evil. And he not only wanted to be godly, he wanted to be God. He wanted to be, and the, the Bible's, many scholars believe that he didn't do this alone, that he influenced at least one third of the angels of heaven to follow him in this revolutionary coup to take over heaven. And so 
he was removed. And the adulteress, if you influence one-third of the angels of heaven, that's a seductive power. That is a powerful influence. And to think you and I often try to take him on one-on-one. Let me tell you, I'm going to confess. The devil's smarter than me. And without God's help, I'm going to fail. I'm not going to be able to outsmart him, outmaneuver him. I need the almighty God to overcome. He's evil. The Bible says he is the accusers of God's people. That means he brings false accusations. He's the one who makes us feel like we'll never amount to anything. He's that one who constantly makes us feel like we're going to fail, that we're a loser of some kind. He's the one who accuses with lies. The Bible says, Jesus, it says he is the father of lies. Do you not think he will use some of those lies on you and me? I know he's used lies on me. He's gotten me at times in my mind and heart to believe things about myself or others that just was not true. He has seductive, persuasive powers. And so calling him the adulteress, he's behind it all. It's it's a descriptive title for him. Let's go back to the text. It says the adulteress hunts for what kind of life? What kind of life? Precious. That's a nice word, isn't it? Precious. (laughs) What do you think of when you think of the word precious? What kind of images pop into your mind when you think of, uh, of precious? When you hear that word, when you think of that word, beg your pardon? Your daughter. Most of us think of babies, children. When you actually look at the text, and it says the adulteress hunts for the precious life, the word yakar in in Hebrew, it means something of great value. Someone of great value it can mean. It often is referred to in scripture like precious stones, but also precious people would fit here as well. God says it about people. He says precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And so we're talking precious. Now, those of you who are like me, a grandparent. If somebody says, Well, show me precious, 
Let me tell you, we can whip out that phone quicker than Wyatt Earp ever drew his six-gun, and we, we can say, I'll show you precious, you know. I have precious right on my, you know, what do you call it, your wall on your phone? All the time I can look at, at my precious ones. And you go into my house and you, you, they're all over the walls and they're, they're setting on the tables. You know, and the, my Bible says that the adulteress is after them. And that he methodically, according to the Apostle Paul, wants to run and destroy their lives. My precious ones, your precious ones, he is after them. The evil one, the adulteress, he wants to destroy my babies, my grandbabies, and those yet to be born. He's after them. And the Apostle Paul said in Scripture that the evil one, Satan, methodically is setting traps and snares on our precious ones. And so the question is, so what do we do about that? I don't know about you, but I'd give my life easily, quickly, without thought to make sure my precious ones know Jesus and go to heaven and miss as much hell on earth and pain and suffering as possible. How about you? So what do we do? You see, this text seems to be teaching that the evil one has a priority about how he goes about destroying people's lives. That he goes after the precious ones, those who have great value. That theology is definitely taught in this verse. But it's taught more than just in this verse. When you go throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, from cover to cover, you see the enemy attacking people who have great value. I'll give you an example. Uh, in the Old Testament, one of the first characters you you encounter in the very first book of the Bible, you encounter this character. And I grew up going to Sunday school, and I remember then we didn't have all these nice graphics. We had flannel graph. <laughs> How many of you here today remember going to flannel graph presentations of the Bible? Anybody? Okay, we got we got a few folks here. We just, I think, confessed our age uh, to everybody. But I remember them putting up this character on the flannel graph board, and they called him, they said he had the coat of many colors. His name was Joseph. He's one of the first characters in the Bible. And Joseph was given a coat by his father and it caused problems why? because of out of all the sons his father had he was the youngest and he was the favorite 
favoritism by a parent or grandparent creates dysfunction in any family. Those who do not feel like they're the chosen one are hurt and damaged by favoritism. And that was true in Joseph's family. His dad gave him the coat of many colors, but he didn't hand out any more coats of many colors. Only to Joseph. And his brothers hated him. One day, his brothers were off taking care of the sheep in another part. And they, his father says, hey, go take care some food to your brothers. So off he went with uh, cheese and bread and pizza. I, I don't know uh, everything. But they seen him coming. His brothers saw him. And you know how they identified him? They saw his coat. You see, he had really not helped his situation. One night around the supper table, he had said, You know, I had this dream, and in my dream I saw you, my brothers, and you, my father, bowing down to me. That kind of ruined supper that night. You know, it didn't work out well. Uh, and they hated him more. And he had this dream that God had given him. You know, sometimes God gives us stuff, and we don't know how to we don't know how to use it or not use it. And he didn't use that in a way that was helpful to his family. And so, when they saw his coat and knew it was him, one of the brothers said to the rest, "Here comes the dreamer." And somebody else said, let's kill him. They couldn't quite do that. <laughs> An older brother stepped in and said, nah, we're not going to do that. But they, they threw him down a cistern well. Uh, fortunately for him, it was dry. <laughs> but there he was in this old hole in the ground. And then a caravan came along. Now, I'm not talking about a minivan. I'm talking about human retailers, slavery. And they sold him as a slave to that group, that caravan. And he ended up in the country of Egypt. Uh, and he ended up in the household as a slave to a guy who was kind of like the secret services to our president. He ended up in the house of a man with kind of a funny name, and his name was what? Potiphar. Now, it's interesting how God was with Joseph. That's what we need to see. In fact, in the 39th chapter of Genesis... At least five times, maybe even a couple more to make it a total of seven. It indicates that God was with Joseph and God blessed everything Joseph did. That's what it says. And it says that God was with him in this great way 
And God blessed Potiphar's house just because Joseph was there and his house prospered. And do you remember what happens exactly next? It says that Potiphar's wife took notice of Joseph. And it says she was attracted to him. He was handsome. Let me tell you, the adulteress is always attracted to the precious ones. Those who are anointed of God, those who have the beautiful presence of God, remember the genesis of the evil one himself, attracted, wanted to be God. He's attracted to the holiness of of God and God's people. And she found him attractive. That's often true today of godly leaders. There are those who are attracted to them in a way that's not necessarily healthy. And this was true for Joseph. And it says daily she invited him to have an inappropriate physical relationship with him. And every day he turned her down. And finally one day when he turned her down, she reached out and grabbed his coat as he fled the room to get away. And she used that coat to entrap him. And she told her husband who had turned all his household, everything he owned, everything he had, he he turned it over to Joseph because Joseph had the presence of the Lord and everything Joseph touched turned into good. And she lied. And she said, he tried to molest and abuse me. She lied. And he ended up in jail. You see, he was precious in the eyes of the evil one. You come to another guy in the Old Testament with just a simple three-letter name. (laughs) And his his name is spelled J-O-B. How do we pronounce that? We pronounce it Job, not Job. And in the first chapter of the book with his name, it somewhat gives a uh, it gives a job description or it gives a kind of a resume of Job. It says the Lord uh, and Satan were having a conversation. Now that's in the book of Job. God and the devil are talking. That's an interesting read for us. <laughs> God and the devil talking. And, and and God said to the devil, Have you noticed, my guy, my boy, Job? There's nobody on earth like him. He, he is, he's blameless, upright, a man who fears God and stays away from evil. I don't know about you, but I'd love to have that kind of resume. How about you? He was a godly man. A godly man. And you know what the devil says to God? 
He says, well, why wouldn't Job love you? You, you? You've got this protective hedge of angels around him, and I can't get to him. If you didn't have that protection around him, he wouldn't love you. And God said, okay, you try it. And the moment God just lowered that protection just a little bit, we see the enemy, Satan, he was so attracted to Job because Job was a godly, righteous man. He rushed in with devastating destruction on Job and his family. And yet Job continued to love the Lord and continued to be right. I want you to notice, the Bible shows Satan, over and over, the evil one, the adulteress, he is attracted to those who are precious in the sight of God. You come into the New Testament and Jesus just out and out says it. To Simon Peter, who was the leader of those of that early Jesus small group, okay? The disciples, the apostles. Simon Peter was the leader of that group. And one day Jesus said to him, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. In other words, Jesus said, hey, Satan is riding your bumper. He wants you. My, my generation would say he wants you bad. He's after you. Have you ever had that feeling in your life? That Satan was after you? Riding your bumper? Where you say, evil things keep happening in my life. What did I do? What am I doing wrong? Have you ever had that experience? Are you going through something like that right now? I, I just want you to understand. This powerful leader in the Bible, this one that Jesus was personally training, Simon Peter. Jesus said, Simon, Simon. He was warning him, Satan, he, he, he's after you. He's riding your bumper. And then Jesus said these wonderful words. Oh, but I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you, Simon. That your faith should not fail, so that when you have repented and turned to me again, be sure you strengthen your brothers in this small group. Jesus told him, you're going to fail. I, I, I'm here to say, I have failed the Lord many times in my life. But I'm also thankful that there have been people in my life who turned to the Lord and did what Jesus did for Simon Peter. Jesus says, oh, but I've prayed for you. And you're going to come back to me. You're going to turn it around. And just remember that when you turn it around, you've got brothers and sisters here who need you. To strengthen them and to minister to them. 
I've looked closely at that scripture where Peter falls. Where he betrayed the Lord. Here he warns Simon Peter, it's coming. But Simon didn't understand. He wasn't strong enough to stand against the evil one in his life. And so there was that moment when a little girl said to him, aren't you one of Jesus' guys? And he says, oh no. Three times. Oh no. I'm not, I'm not one of... He never dreamed that he would fail so miserably. Have you had some moments like that? Dear friend, I have. Where I couldn't, I couldn't ever imagine that I would fail the Lord, myself, my family. I would pick so poorly and I would, I would fail. Embarrassed, shame. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you experienced that yourself? I have. And in those moments, in Simon Peter's moment, the Bible says the rooster crowed, as Jesus predicted. And it says, Luke says, that Simon Peter turned and looked at Jesus, who was being arrested, and their eyes locked. Jesus looked at him. What kind of look was it that Simon Peter received from Jesus? I guarantee you it was not a look of, I told you so. It was some kind of look of, I'm still with you, buddy. We're still in this together. Don't forget that. But Peter was so overcome with, he was so broken by his own Self-destruction. It says he began to weep bitterly. He left the compound. And it, it took some special things from Jesus before he left earth to bring healing in his life. He had a self-inflicted wound. Let me tell you, that's what the enemy does. He gets us to self-inflict wounds. And when we're hurt, we often reach out and hurt the people that mean the most to us and say the things that are the most hurtful things sometimes we've ever heard or ever said. (laughs) I want to encourage you that God understands what we're talking about. How the adulteress hunts for the precious life. Let me tell you, Living Streams was put here on the corner to bring healing to precious lives. It is here. God made this church happen. And some of you who are leaders of this church know step by step how he made this church happen. And the reason he wanted it to happen is that there are those 
who are brokenhearted from self-inflicted wounds, from things that choices we have made that were poor choices, that were damaging to ourselves and to others. But we have a God who is full of compassion and love, who knows ahead of time and says, I'm bigger than the adulteress who hunts for the precious life. You remember in the Old Testament how hmm, they brought offerings in church to God and would lay them at the altar? What if today, those of you watching online and those of you here, we took an offering, an offering of precious lives, and did what Jesus did for Simon Peter, where he said, oh, buddy, you're going to get hurt, you're going to make the wrong choice, you're going to do a self-inflicted wound that, that, that you won't be able to look me in the eye. But I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you and you're going to come back. <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to return to me. Is there anyone here that has been that one who the enemy fooled, got us to make the wrong choice, the wrong action? You have a, a child or a grandchild that you need this to bring this precious one and give them as an offering to the Lord and say, God, I'm not going to give up. I have one last story. A friend of mine, a great preacher, one of the greatest preachers in America, in my lifetime, after a service, a woman came up to him. And she called him by name and she says, I want to tell you about my children. And she says, I have a son and I have a daughter who walk with God. They're great leaders in the church. And she just bragged as only a mama can brag on those two kids. And when she was done with all that, then she said, and then, then I have another child. A boy. And every time the phone rings, I wonder, why is he done now? He, she said he's brought embarrassment and shame on our family. His addictions. His criminal activity. And she looked at my friend and said, well, I guess two out of three ain't bad, huh? Now, my friend, he, he's not always been known for his tactfulness, okay? And he looked back at that mama and said, you know, you don't have any idea what you're talking about. That third child probably has more potential in the kingdom of God than the other two combined. You see, he understood the theology 
that the adulteress hunts for the one of great value. The precious one. And that the devil himself camps on the precious, highly valued one's doorstep. He's after him. I want to encourage you. Some of you are precious, but you feel anything but precious today. (laughs) Give yourself to God. Just confess your feelings, your insecurities, your hurts. Confess them to Him. Give yourself a chance. I want to encourage you also. Let's bring the offering of the precious ones to Him. I want to say to those of you here, if you want to give an offering of a precious one to the Lord, I'm going to ask you to physically do something. I normally would ask us to come around the altar here, but we're doing the social distancing and God wants us to, and yet he wants us to respond when he speaks to our heart. If you have a precious one you want to offer up to God today, Would you just simply stand at your seat and say, God, by standing, you know who I'm thinking of. You know this precious one I bring to you. Would you just simply stand at your seat and say, God, here's my precious one. Would you do that? As an offering of God, acknowledging I have someone who's so precious that I know the enemy is after. And it may be you. Some of us need to say, God, God, I need your help. I have self-inflicted wounds. I do. Those of you watching at home, I encourage you right now, If you're physically able to kneel, that's a a great profile for God to see, the humbleness. If you're like me, I can't do that anymore. But I I can cry out to him and say, I bring precious ones. I have grandchildren who have yet to meet Jesus. I have some yet to be born. I want to take them all to heaven. How about you? Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the precious ones in our life. As we're praying, if you need to ask God to forgive you for sin, folks, please do it. He's listening. Apologize to him. That's how we become a follower of Jesus. We confess and apologize to Him. Those of you who are Christians who who made wrong choices, self-inflicted wounds, just apologize. Just like Simon Peter and Jesus worked it out, and Peter went back to work and changed the world with the power of, of God in his life. Lord, we bring you these precious ones. 
that we can't imagine what it would be like to have them lost in eternity without you. We give them to you. And we ask this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. We're thankful for the worship team. What a wonderful job they've done here today. And they're going to just uh, give us a little more time to pray and talk to him as we close this service. Thank you for watching. Pastor Greg, thank you for inviting me. I love being here. Love being with you.